For what do I have if I don't have you, Jesus? What in this life could mean anymore? You are my rock. You are my glory. You are the lifter of my head. Welcome to the Rock Podcast. As we begin our study here in the book of 2 Kings, we find that wicked King Ahab has died, and now it's his son's turn to rule Israel. Sadly, Ahaziah is much like his parents, and even though God is turning up the heat, this stubborn king digs in his heels, which leads to his untimely demise. Here now is Pastor Ross with a message entitled, Fire from Heaven. Alrighty, good evening. Let's get started. The Great Chapter, a, a new book, but a continual story, Second Kings, now, chapter 1. You can turn there. I'll ask the Lord's blessing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit who's with us and who opens the eyes of our hearts, just like we sang uh, earlier this evening. We do pray, God, that you would help us to make, truth, uh, make this truth a part of our everyday life, to to understand it, to put it into practice, to not uh, just be hearers only, but doers of the word so we can be blessed. In Christ's name, amen. Well, a little bit of context here. Uh, When we left off last, we were at king number seven. I have a chart again for us. King number seven of divided Israel the north. Uh, King Ahab has just died, you'll recall that, and now that is his son, King Ahaziah, who will reign as his heir, but only for a couple years. And in the south, of course, still uh, King Jehoshaphat is reigning. We are, if you're interested, 853 years from Bethlehem and the appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, Now, Ahab has died in uh, fulfillment of several prophecies about God's judgment upon him. And the prophecies, you'll recall, weren't just directed at him, but at his wicked sons uh, that would succeed him, and also his wicked wife Jezebel that would survive him. Now, I've got this as a quote here for you so you can remember that specific prophecy Uh, Because you have sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, the word of the Lord to King Ahab, I'm going to bring disaster upon you. I will consume your descendants, your sons, and cut off from you every last male because you have provoked me to anger and have caused Israel to uh, sin. So that's the context that fo- that prophecy has been fulfilled in Ahab's life. But now we have two sons that are alive and well who are heirs to the throne and also a surviving wife, Jezebel. But all of them are under the same doom of the same prophetic word. In fact, Jezebel, you'll recall, has this prophecy of a very undignified death, uh, the stuff of a great horror movie, as we will see. Uh, I was just thinking of that in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 31. It's a dreadful thing to fall 
into the hands of the living God. Now, especially if you're not covered by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And so his wife and his sons are under the same ill-fated destiny as a consequence of their own sin, not because of Ahab's, but they're guilty uh, themselves. All right, so King Ahab has died. Israel has mourned, we presume, for Ahab, or pretended to, at least. His body has been buried, and his son Ahaziah is crowned in his place, alive and well. Uh, Well, now, what about that prophecy of doom that's hanging over his son's head? Verse 1. After Ahab's death, Moab rebelled against Israel. Now Ahaziah had fallen through the lattice of his upper room in Samaria and injured himself. So he sent messengers saying to them, go and consult Baal Zebub, the god of Ekron, to see if I will recover from this injury. All right, let's pause there. Note takers. Number one, Ahaziah's accident. Now here we may have the origin of a common saying, I have fallen and can't get up. (laughs) Apparently, he has leaned against the wooden lattice of his second-story balcony and has fallen to the ground below and sustained some pretty serious injuries. Now, this accident of his has sent him seeking and as does most severe trouble in our lives, it reveals where our heart's really at. And so it sends him seeking, but not seeking the Lord, the God of his fathers, the God of Israel, his God, but he's going after foreign God to find out if he's going to live or die. Now, Jesus' famous promise, seek and you shall find, we generally take that as it's intended, in a positive way. Seek and you shall find. Ask and it shall be given. Knock and the door shall be opened. Meaning, you know, when the Holy Spirit is at the door of your heart, prompting you, when you open up, you will get results. But it also works in a negative sense as well. And let me show you Romans chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. God will give to each person according to what he has done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. So you'll notice seek is used in, in both ways there. And, and you find what it is you're seeking. Now, the apple hasn't fallen very far from the tree. Uh, the sins of the father here and the mother, his mother, Ahaziah's mother, is Jezebel. And so, really, I don't know if we expect more from the son of two murderers. Uh, but here we go. Uh, he starts to do exactly what his parents did. They were seeking self. And all that means is to do your own thing, right? So they were people who did their own thing, rejecting truth, as if I'm talking about Romans 2, rejecting truth, following evil, and then they will find the wrath and anger because that's waiting in the wings of every soul 
FedEx like that. And so we got a heads up last chapter about the summary, a quick summary of Ahaziah's life. Uh, And I have that for you. Ahaziah, son of Ahab, became king of Israel in Samaria in the 17th year, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. And he reigned over Israel two years. So Ahab's son, Ahaziah, is only going to reign two years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord because he followed the ways of his father, served and worshipped Baal, and aroused the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, just as his father had done. So we get it. This guy is on the throne, uh, but he's only going to have two years. And apparently, we're already at the two-year point, And the prophecy is coming to pass. It's so sad, because in spite of everything, this boy, or this young man, has seen and heard. Uh, he's watched his parents dig in their heels and have this long, drawn-out battle with God and, and the Lord's prophets, and to lose... He's watched his parents suffer. And um, he's seen the fight. He's heard about the fire falling with Elijah and the contest there with the false prophets. Uh, But Ahaziah just wants to do his own thing, reject the truth, follow the evil. And he's on a collision course with what? Two words, wrath and anger. Romans chapter 2. He's seeking that, right? Even though. So it's not like God hasn't tried with this guy. Ahaziah. So your text says, really, it's been two years because now he has a, a, a mortal injury. Um, God's trying to get through to him on three venues, according to this verse, politically, because now that Ahab's dead, Moab, in your text, has risen up. Now, uh, during Ahab's reign, he might have been a very immoral guy, but he was a strong uh, military man. And so when he died... And this Ahaziah comes to uh, reign. Uh, Moab kicks off uh, Israel as their occupiers and now is a threat at their border. So you would think, the Lord is using this. Hey, Ahaziah, there's a threat. There's a war coming. Moab is coming now. Uh, Secondly, economically, you'll remember that he uh, invested in merchant ships. Do you remember this? And the ships were demolished there in chapter 22, before they even left port. So the Lord is speaking to him politically, trying to wake him up. Here comes threat of war. That didn't work. He's he's tried economically. He's invested in these ships and trading vessels with all kinds of hopes to enrich himself. Those were smashed to pieces before they even set sail. And then now personally, he's fallen from a window with life-threatening injuries. Every single thing that you see is God's redemptive, merciful hand to reach a soul before it's too late. And so, you see, it's not that he's an atheist here. He believes in an afterlife. He believes in a higher power. It's just he refuses to bow the knee to Jehovah God. You see, he's sending uh, messengers to go talk to some sorcerers, uh, some pagan uh, priests uh, about uh, getting some information from Baal Zabob. And you, you know that Baal Zabob means Lord of the Flies, and it's used in the New Testament by Jesus to refer to Satan, the king of the demons. 
And so he's chasing after this pagan um, god to, to, to tell him what his destiny is going to be. Now, that just, that just proves a point there. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, I have that for you. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Paul is speaking about uh, corrupt people in the last days, that they will have an air about them of spirituality, but they don't have the substance of a born-again, true Christian experience. And, and stay away from them is not a, a word to not evangelize them, but not to partner with them because they, uh, their influence can be uh, corrupting. And so he goes to seek an answer from this Lord of the demons, you know, uh, I've had a serious fall. Am I going to survive? Moving on, verse 3. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, go up and meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and ask them, is it because there's no God in Israel that you are going off to consult Baal Zebub, the God of Ekron, the Philistines? Therefore, this is what the Lord says. You will not leave the bed you're lying on. You will certainly die. All right, so... Ahaziah's accident, then number two, Ahaziah's arrogance, all right? So God sends Elijah to confront the messengers, rebuking them and supplying the answer that these guys are looking for without even knowing the question. So it was a stinging rebuke. I imagine Elijah coming down the road and these messengers are on their way to Philistine uh, territory to find Uh, a priest they can inquire of. And here, let me enlarge with a little paraphrase of the conversation that might have taken place. Elijah sees the men. They've never seen him before. They don't know who he is. And he says to them, seriously, an Israelite king reigning over God's people, you, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, who have been entrusted with the word of God, the temple, the history, the heritage from King David and Solomon, the God who rescued you from Egypt, who parted the Red Sea, who defeated all your enemies, who has done for Israel what he has done for no other country or no other people. And here you all are pretending as if there's no God in Israel, that you're forced to have to go to the pagan Philistines to consult their sorcerers. Well, the Lord has an answer for the king. And I don't need the question. To Ahaziah, from the living God, regarding your accident, you've fallen and you can't get up and you're going to stay that way until you die. Your diagnosis, fatal and irreversible. Now, it was a merciful rebuke because not too many people know when death is imminent. That's a blessing if you're not a Christian. What a blessing to know you have six months to live. Wow, it's time. It's time to get right with God, time to repent, given time to prepare to meet God. The the two thieves, criminals, one on Jesus' left, one on Jesus' right, in the beginning, they're both hurling insults. The thieves, both. And then... 
something got a hold of one of them. And he repented. And the other one was hurling insults. And and the one thief says, you know what, you're crazy, man. Stop doing this. This is an innocent man. And he comes to Jesus' defense. They're dying on the cross because he knows death is imminent. And he looks over at Jesus and he says, Lord, remember me when you come into that kingdom of yours. And Jesus says, today, this day, you and me in paradise. What, what makes one guy with a threat of death looming say, oh God, what a loser I've been. Just remember me. Have mercy on me. From the other guy who it says continues to hurl insults and, and says to him, Oh, you're the Christ, mocking him. Why don't you save yourself and us? We could use a Savior right now, Mr. Savior. What is that? Why one will go to hell and one will go to heaven? It's a mystery. It's a will. It's election. It's God's predetermination. It's our will. It's both things working together, but boy, I wish I could understand it better. So, moving on. Which way is this guy going to go? Well, let's find out. Five through eight. When the messengers return to the king. Okay, so, so Elijah tells him, hey, I know what's going on. You don't even have to tell me. Go back and tell this guy, you know what? You're seeking the wrong place. You're going to die. So when the messengers returned to the king, he asked them, oh, why are you back so soon? (laughs) A man came to meet us, they replied. And he says to us, go back to the king who sent you and tell him, this is what the Lord says. Is it because there's no God in Israel that you are sending men to consult Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron? Therefore, you will not leave the bed you're lying on. You will certainly die. The king asked them, what kind of man was it who came to meet you and told you this? <laughs> they replied, he was a man with a garment of hair and a leather belt around his waist. The king said, that was Elijah. All right, let's pause there. So we have Ahaziah's accident. We have Ahaziah's arrogance. And now we have Ahaziah's answer. Now he gets an answer, but it comes back not in the form he was expecting. Now, The messengers return. Ahaziah there in verse 5. His minions don't feel it's necessary to continue on to Ekron because they got the real deal there. There's something. They don't know who Elijah is. There's something regal about him. There's something in his voice. There's a quality in his life that's credible. And so they, and plus they say, hey, we are, he says, I already know what you're after. You don't have to tell me. Here's the answer. And so with that, they're moved. Why should we continue on? Uh, We got our answer. Let's take this back. Now, the king knows right away. So they flip a U-turn. They go back to see King, King Ahaziah. And obviously, he knows from the elapsed time that they did not have enough time to go the 50 miles to Ekron and come back with an answer. So he says, what's going on? Why have you returned? 
And so here's a paraphrase. Well, boss, not going to lie. We got intercepted by this guy who, know, who knew all about this. No one told him anything. He told us to come back to tell you that he has a message from the Lord for the king. And here's the message. Must you really pretend like you have no God to turn to in your time of trouble, that you have to go running to the detestable fake gods of the pagans for help. Since this is the way you act, no, you're not going to recover, and yes, you are going to die. Well, Ahaziah's immediate response, I would think that it would be some sort of shock or repentance or something. He says, describe the guy to me. He's wearing a rough animal pelt with a leather belt. He says, that would be Elijah. My father's enemy, the Israel's troublemaker, now he's coming after me. Because it's always the other guy's fault when you confront a wrongdoer who doesn't want to repent. Now, you'll know right away that John the Baptist is really... the anti-type. Elijah is a type of John the Baptist to come uh, because John the Baptist wears the same clothing. And in fact, the Jews come out to see John the Baptist who's wearing a, a, a camel skin, right? And with a leather belt. In fact, they ask him there uh, in Mark chapter one, verse six, are you Elijah? So more about that to come because that's an important point. A little extra white out. You know how that goes, right? All right, verse verse 9. Here we go. Then he sent to Elijah words of repentance. He said, I have sinned greatly before the Lord. I have followed. You can look up now. I have followed in the footsteps. Listen to my voice. I have followed in the footsteps of my wicked father and mother and have served their evil gods and led God's people astray. I deserve to die and never recover, especially after ignoring the God of Israel and petitioning the detestable God of the Philistines. Instead of trusting in the Lord my God, I have repented in sackcloth and ashes, having received your word, Elijah. Please pray for my soul as I prepare to meet God. Uh... Now, that's called the what if translation. What if? And, okay, what if? We've heard that before, by the way. God, God pronounces judgment on somebody. They weep, they cry, they, they humble themselves, and God says, okay, go tell them. You're going to live. What if? He would have done that. He could have. You could have read that, and you would have got this back. Thus says the Lord, I've seen your tears. I've heard your prayers. You will recover. You will reign in your father's place and you will serve me all the days of your life. One of my friends in high school, his high school yearbook picture, underneath he had a phrase, I remember it now many years after. (laughs) I've lost track, I don't know, not from 1977. How many years is that? I don't think so. It's longer than that. 37. 37 years ago, I still remember what he put under his picture. Saddest words of tongue or pen are these. 
it might have been. Saddest words of tongue or pen, it might have been. John Greenleaf Whittier, American Quaker of the 1800s, wrote that, a a poet. All right, here's what it really says, unfortunately. Then he sent to Elijah a captain with his company of 50 men. The captain went up to Elijah, who's sitting on top of a hill, and said to him, Men of God, the king says, come down. Elijah answered the captain, If I am a man of God, may fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. Then fire fell from heaven and consumed the captain and his men. At this, the king sent to Elijah another captain with his 50 men. The captain said to him, O man of God, this is what the king says. You come down here at once. If I am a man of God, Elijah replied, may fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. Then the fire of God fell from heaven and consumed him and his 50 men. So the king sent a third captain with his 50 men. This third captain went up and fell on his knees before Elijah. Man of God, he begged, please have respect for my life and the lives of these 50 men, your servants. See, fire has fallen from heaven and consumed the first two captains and all their men, but now have respect for my life. All right, let's pause there. Smart guy. Smart guy. He saw a pattern, you know. Ahaziah's accident. Ahaziah's arrogance, Ahaziah's answer, Ahaziah's aggression now. Now, instead of softening his heart, he's going to dig in his heels and decide to go toe-to-toe with God and his prophet. Like so many leaders of governments that are hostile to God, if you don't like the message, then you just kind of kill the messenger. So he sends 50 guys with a captain, right? And Ahaziah knows where Elijah lives. He knows where he hangs out. And he sends 50 soldiers armed, round one, to do his dirty work. Now, don't you go feeling sorry for these 50 guys. Uh, The captain and the soldiers are culpable. They're responsible before God. They're not obligated to obey, to do evil, And they are just as wicked and godless as the king to be in his service. So they close in on Elijah. They see him waiting there. And there's some mockery. Hey, prophet. Hey, Mr. Man of God. The king commands you now. Come down here. If I am a man of God like you've just said, then proof of that would be fire coming down from heaven to rescue me and consume both you and your men. Snap, crackle, pop. As we'll see now, word from the countryside gets back, something like that happens, you know, news travels, and uh, gets back to Ahaziah. What does he do? (laughs) He says, oh my, I am reminded of this Elijah. Oh, my father told me this story. My mother told me this story. Back on Mount Carmel, there was a little contest and fire came down. Yeah, no. He tries again, round two. Ahaziah is the poster child for stubborn and rebellious before God. So he replaces the captain and 50 more soldiers, and the scenario is repeated, all right? 
So the new captain, yo, Mr. Prophet, Mr. Holy Roller, man of God. Now the king is calling. He wants a word with you. Come on down here, Mr. Holy Roller. So Elijah says, uh, did you guys not hear what happened to the first batch of your buddies? Uh, if I am a holy roller kind of prophet that you claim me to be by your own words, then shouldn't there be some amazing miracle of protection right about now? <laughs> right? Roar, blaze. Round three, news gets back. Oh, Ahaziah always knows. He knows because the third guy says, hey, rounds one and two, we know what happened here. So they all know. The second group come, they come willfully. It's not going to happen to us. We'll take this guy down, boss. Yeah, not. (laughs) So round three. So the king sends that third captain with another 50 men. You know, what I wrote down here you know how sad 102 men have died because this guy has a private war going on in his own heart against God. And that's the way it always is. When, when people resist truth and, and dig in their heels and don't do what God wants them to do, there's always a wake of destruction and always people will be hurt. And it's just as true the opposite way. When you, when you receive the truth, when you do as God wills for your life, people in your wake and around you and your sphere of influence will be blessed. That's the way it always goes. I, I, it's just sad to think of guys like Ahaziah who don't care. I don't care. Send another 50. He would have gone on, uh, you know, indefinitely, sending 50 guys. They're dying because of your, you and your war. You and your stubbornness against God, people are dying. He says, I don't care. Send another 50. Pharaoh, plague one, plague two, plague three. He doesn't care. He's got his own personal battle going on with God. It doesn't matter if God has to destroy the whole country. He's not giving in. I'm not letting his people go. He's going to destroy the whole country. I don't care. Pharaoh, and the ten plagues. Pharaoh killing the Hebrew babies. There's not going to be another Pharaoh except me. No deliverer. Herod killing all the baby boys. There's only one king. There's only room for one king in my life, and that would be me. Who cares? Kill all the kids. That's how deceptive sin is in our hearts and lives. I've told many people this. You watch out. You watch out about sin. You will sell your wife, your husband, and your kids straight down the river to get what you want. I see it all the time. I see it in my office through 30 years. The kids down the river, off the falls. Who cares? I want the girl. I want the drugs. I want the booze. I want the money. I want the sex. Wife, doesn't matter. Parents, done. You say, no way. I would regard my mother. I would, I would care about my own kid. No, you won't. You won't even care about your own soul. You'll, you'll trade, you'll sell your soul just like Ahab did. You have sold your soul to evil, the text I read to you. So if you wouldn't do it, 
to save your own soul, you're not going to do it to save your kid or your mom or your grandma. Nobody will matter to you. You will get what you want. You will. That's why I say, do not let sin in any form grow in your life. Do not give the devil a teeny weeny foothold. Or you'll, you'll turn into a monster. Oh, no, I could never do that. Yes, you can. It happens. I've seen it happen over and over again. And just a fair warning to everybody who the Holy Spirit is tapping on the shoulder of your soul. One writer said, Oh, the pain and suffering that one person is willing to see inflicted on others so that they can pursue their self-centered interests and continue with their private war against God. Okay, so the crippled king sends out delegation number three, and someone gets a clue, uh, a spark of inspiration, maybe, for this heroic captain. Uh, That was a joke. Spark, fire. Okay, never mind. Moving on. He humbles himself and he saves their lives. That's why I call him a hero. He has a different approach. He he comes up and he sees the charred uh, ground, and he's... He's standing there, and he just hits the deck, falls on his knees before Elijah, verses 13 and 14. Man of God that you truly are, I beg you, have mercy on your servants, me and the 50 lives with me. We've got wives and kids, okay? We know what happened to our comrades. Fire has come down and wiped both delegations out. We'd like to avoid the same kind of destiny. Please spare our lives. So in the same way that hardening to God brings trouble for many, humbling ourselves before God, like this soldier, brings blessing to many. Let's finish up, verse 15 to the end. The angel of the Lord, which is the Lord Jesus before he is incarnated into his human body in the Old Testament. The angel of the Lord, Jesus, says there to Elijah in some kind of appearance, Go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. So Elijah got up and went down with him to the king. He told the king, this is what the Lord says. Is it because there's no God in Israel for you to consult that you have sent messengers to consult Baal Zebub, the god of Ekron? Because you have done this, you will never leave the bed you're lying on. You will certainly die. So he died. According to the word of the Lord that Elijah had spoken. Now, because Ahaziah had no son, Joram succeeded him as king in the second year of Jehoram, son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. As for the other events of Ahaziah's reign and what he did, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Israel? So number five, Ahaziah's apostasy. Apostasy means a total departure from one's religion. All right, so in accordance with God's instruction, Elijah's going to go down the hill peacefully with five very grateful guys. (laughs) Grateful to be alive. Now, back at the king's palace now, in comes the man of God to the king's bedside. He's unafraid. He's unintimidated, uh, not batting an eye. He says, you wanted to talk, right? So I'm just amazed at his courage 
Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous, those who are right with God, are bold as a lion. When you're right with God, there's a confidence that comes. There's a, a boldness. And he's got that boldness. He's where he's supposed to be. So here's the message one last time, verse 16, paraphrased again. What's up with going over to the enemy and asking their so-called gods for help when you could have turned to me, the Lord, the true and living God for help? That's the reason you're not going to recover. There's no help in fake gods. You're not getting out of the bed alive. What is implicated? Unless, of course, you want to ask me. So he died. You, you so could have read, so he asked the Lord, Lord, what was I thinking asking uh, Baalzebub for help? I am so sorry I've received the word from your prophet here. Will you help me? You would have read something different. So he died. Talking to a guy at UCSF during my bone marrow transplant, I've mentioned this before. Uh, The guy in the bed next to me just had a doctor visit and tell him there's nothing more we can do for you. We're sending you home. Well, I got into the mix and I said, well, do you know the Lord Jesus? He said, oh, no, no, no. And I said, "Uh, considering what you just were told, it might be a good time to reconsider your stance with God. And he got red in the face and told me to get away. He didn't want anything to do with God. He said, I have lived my whole life as an atheist. And now that I'm in trouble, it would be such a hypocritical thing for me to do, to turn to God and ask him to help me now. And I said, sir, one last thing I want to say before I leave. It would not be hypocrisy. It would be wise. And it would be okay for you to do that. And God is kind of used to it. Thief on the cross, all right? It happens, all right? And uh, he wanted nothing to do. so angry and so closed. And so he died. Oh, so wasted so needless you know I just see the Lord just spiritually just saying one last time with Elijah you know the the things repeated over and over and over again this is why you are not going to recover and you're going to die because you're looking for help in the wrong place and you're really aggravating me you don't have to do that you don't go to Baalzebub you go to the Lord right so one last time they put the paddles on him Elijah looking at him right at the bedside and says, come on, man, clear, right? Nothing. And I'll tell you what, everybody who ends up on the other side of the great white throne judgment, every last one of them are the same way. God tried and tried and tried and tried and tried. And, that, and it's always going to be the same for everybody who ends up there not listed in the Lamb's Book of Life that gets thrown into perdition. Perdition is a fancy word for hell. So they 
died. And there, but the grace of God, goes everybody in this room. We, go, we were headed the same place, but the grace of God, there was something that, that in our hearts responded, and uh, we are going to experience the grace. Well, I just want to show you something very intriguing about Elijah and the fire and the king who's obstinate to the last second where lots of people die because of him. It's a prophetic picture. It's a prophetic picture of the end of the world right here. And let me kind of explain this to you. The kings of the Old Testament, especially the ones like Pharaoh, Ahab, Ahaziah, and uh, even the New Testament of Herod, they're a type of antichrist who will rule over the entire world. One man, he will be king of the earth. He's called the king of fierce countenance, the prince who is to come, the beast, the son of perdition, the lawless one, the man of sin. He wages a private war with God that takes down the earth. The nations will follow him and worship him. Now, how do I see the end of the world here in this chapter? Well, let me explain this to you. Um, At the end, the trumpet sounds. God's going to judge this world and destroy the earth. It will be inhabitable at the end of 21 judgments. First, the church is called up and out of harm's way. And then the judgments start. And God is dealing with Israel once again to turn Israel's heart toward himself. And what does he do? During the first three and a half years, he sends two witnesses. And one of them, well, let me, I've got, uh, I've got Revelation chapter 11. And I, I will give power to my two witnesses. Now, now, the Holy Spirit, the restrainer has been taken. The church is gone. And the first three and a half years has started. The Antichrist is ruling the earth with the false prophet. And God has sent two special witnesses to preach to fallen Israel to repent. And I will give power to these two witnesses. And they will prophesy 1260 days. That's three and a half years. Clothed in sackcloth. That's a prophet thing. If anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and devours their enemies. This is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. These men will have power to shut up the sky so that it will not rain during the time they are prophesying. Three and a half years. Sound familiar? And they have power to turn the waters into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. Commentators, Bible scholars have said for years, Moses and Elijah, Moses the law, Elijah the king of the prophets, the law and the prophets sent in two witnesses to Israel during the last seven years, the first three and a half years. Sound familiar? Was one prophet in the prophet's garments prophesying, if anybody comes to harm him, fire comes down from heaven, just like your text. It's a picture. Not only that, the water, the, the famine, the skies being closed for three and a half years, Elijah did that. Elijah prayed to the Lord. There was no rain for how long? Three and a half years. The same thing. 
fire falling with Elijah, three and a half year drought with Elijah, Moses and the river to water to blood. So you've got Moses and Elijah. Who appeared at the first coming? Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration to testify essentially to Israel about the coming of the Messiah, who they rejected. Once again, now not at the first coming, but at the second coming. Moses and Elijah to Israel. And this time, Israel will begin to repent. Because here's how the end of that chapter goes. They finish their testimony. God allows them to be killed. The Antichrist attacks them. They both die. Very interesting. The world rejoices and gives Christmas presents to each other. And it says in uh, Revelation uh, 11, uh, for three and a half days, they lay dead. And that, uh, listen to this, every nation, people, tribe, and tongue gaze upon their dead bodies. That was impossible 50 years ago. Now, everybody just uh, gazes, the whole world. Every nation, tribe, and tongue will gaze upon Moses and Elijah dead. And then God raises them three and a half days. And then Israel begins to turn because of this miracle of the Lord. We're back to the age of miracles at the end. And they will be taken back into heaven. There's an earthquake. 7,000 Jews die in Jerusalem. And the rest glorify God. Now it's time for the end of the world. But Israel starts to repent. And they will be a Christian believing nation. By the end of the story, Jesus appears and Israel welcomes her Messiah. Romans chapter 11, verse 25. All Israel shall be, in the end, saved. And so the nation will come around. But, but that's just amazing. Can I show you Malachi 4, 5, and 6 just to prove that I really believe that Elijah's going to show up again? By the way, Elijah did not die. This is an important thing. He was taken up, you see? So there's a reason why he's going to be there in Jerusalem. See, I will send the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. That's the day of the Lord. That's the tribulation. So there's a prophecy that God will send this guy. And then we see this guy who's calling down fire from heaven and shutting the skies for three and a half years. It sounds pretty familiar. You see, I'll turn the hearts of the father, fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. Now it's true. John the Baptist really fulfills the first coming of this because he looks and preaches and acts like Elijah. So in one sense, at the first coming, Elijah, check. And that's why the disciples were so confused when they said, Jesus, we thought Elijah was supposed to come before you showed up. And he says, well, if you think about it, Elijah did show up. John, all right? But more in a fuller sense, the second coming, it says right there, I will send you the prophet Elijah. And we got this guy doing Elijah things just like we read tonight, the same thing. If I am a man of God, may fire come down and protect me. And that's exactly what will happen. Well, praise the Lord. I mean, we are not the ones who will suffer wrath, but we will um, be saved. We will enjoy salvation and eternal life as the church is rescued before 
all of this. And it always comes down to just the simple trusting of the Lord. You know, somebody's eternal destiny just hangs in the balance. So simple, so simple. So when you share the gospel, make sure you make it really easy for people to understand that with a simple change of heart, everything, the whole destiny changes from from hell to heaven, from darkness to eternal light in the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love. Lord, we, we see what's happening on the world scene. We know that we're living in the last moments before the trumpet sounds and we are caught up to heaven to be with the Lord. We're thankful, God, for our salvation. We pray that you continue to work as you do in our hearts and lives, Lord, to, to keep us walking with you, obeying your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Closing song. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvarytherock.org.